Welcome to the market, sponsored by the CME Group. Dateline, Friday, October 19, Chicago, as we get together for our weekly look at market activity from Wall Street to the cotton fields and the grain fields and the livestock operations across North America and beyond. Max Armstrong will be along a little bit later with Paul Georgie of Allendale, the marketing analyst firm in McHenry, Illinois, to talk about the current weather situation and grain market activity. But meanwhile, we'll check in on the week in Wall Street And if you don't like volatility, the past two weeks have not been good weeks for you. If you like volatility, you've certainly had your opportunities over the last couple of weeks to deal with that volatility. So how did we end the week after the ups and downs of the week? It seemed like every other day we were higher, every other day we were lower. But today, the U.S. benchmark S&P 500 stock index moved lower as strong earnings from Procter & Gamble were offset by ongoing concerns about rising interest rates and tensions over trade policy denting economic growth. But let's look at shares of Procter & Gamble, up 8.8% after the consumer goods company reported a surprise increase in first quarter sales and the climb in Procter & Gamble shares lifted the Dow and helped to advance the S&P Consumer Staples Index by two and a third percent. The consumer staples sector, which has underperformed the broader S&P 500 this year, set for its biggest daily percentage gain since August of 2015. The S&P 500, though, closed below the 200-day moving average, and that is a key statistical indicator of long-term price trends. And so going on to some of the other activity on this uh, closing market day of the week, trade policy worries weighed on shares of Honeywell, which erased early gains in the day to end down 1.1%. This coming after the industrial conglomerate said it was seeing slower growth in China and the tariffs would potentially cost it hundreds of millions of dollars in 2019. Uh, The home industry, house-building industry, continues to struggle. Home sales fell in September by the most in over two years as the housing market continued to struggle, coming despite strength across the broader economy. But home sales have now fallen for six straight months, and rising mortgage rates are expected to slow further demand. And uh, one analyst in New Jersey said there are still concerns you can see in the market regarding whether or not higher interest rates are going to weaken growth. And he said, as a result, investors will be looking specifically for strong sales, not just profits as the earnings season progresses. So far, 62% of the S&P 500 companies have reported revenue above analyst expectations, below the 73% average over the past four quarters. So the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 64 points for the day, 
ending the week at 25,444. The S&P lost four hundredths of a percent to close at 2767. And the NASDAQ composite down 36 points for the day to end the week at 7449. And for the week, S&P gained two hundredths of a percent. The Dow rose four-tenths of a percent, and the NASDAQ dropped six-tenths of a percent. Shares of PayPal Holdings, though, climbed nine and a half percent today. That's their highest one-day percentage gain in two years after the payments company beat quarterly profit estimates. The oil market. Well, it posted a weekly loss despite the fact it was higher today. Oil prices moved higher on signs of growing demand in China, the world's number two oil consumer. Brent crude futures up 49 cents for the day to settle at $79.78 a barrel. And the uh, Texas Intermediate Crude Futures up 47 cents to settle at $69.12 a barrel. For the week, Brent down nine-tenths of a percent. U.S. crude down 3.1 percent. So is the volatility going to continue next week? I can't answer that, but the market will tell us as we look ahead to next week. Oh boy, a slew of thirty comp- uh, Dow thirty companies will report results next week, including Caterpillar, Verizon Communications, McDonald's Corporation, and United Technologies on Tuesday. Uh, Microsoft and Visa will report on Wednesday, and Intel Corporation and Merck will report on Thursday. And markets will also work through another spate of economic figures that include gross domestic product on Friday, durable goods, weekly jobless claims, and pending home sales on Thursday, and new home sales on Wednesday. And overall, orders for durable goods, that's items ranging from toasters to aircraft that are meant to last three years or more, is expected to have dropped nine-tenths of a percent in September. And then some of those earnings reports, Amazon likely to report an increase in third quarter sales on Thursday. Ford Motor Company expected to report a weaker third quarter profit on Wednesday. And uh, this week, uh, the CEO of Ford Motor Company met with its dealers in Las Vegas, Nevada, to talk about, well, a return of the Ranger pickup truck, for example. And uh, they're still probably going to be affected by tariffs and rising steel and aluminum costs. So we'll keep an eye on Ford Motor Company to see if the CEO was able to get them a little more excited. AT&T will report its third quarter earnings results on Wednesday. Comcast Corporation expected to report an increase in quarterly profit on Thursday. Snap Incorporated expected to report an increase in third quarter revenue on Thursday. Harley-Davidson will release third quarter earnings before market hours on Tuesday. 
And while the company is expected to report higher profits in the quarter, investors will look for clues as to how the motorcycle maker is trying to shield its business amid calls backed by President Trump to boycott Harley-Davidson after its decision to shift production of motorcycles for the European Union from the United States to overseas facilities. Advanced micro devices expected to post an increase in revenue and profit on Wednesday. Biogen will report third quarter results on Tuesday. That's just days ahead of uh, a highly anticipated update on its experimental Alzheimer's disease drugs. Investors will be watching that report carefully. Mattel expected to report a decline in quarterly sales on Thursday, and uh, ConocoPhillips expected to post an increase in profit on Thursday. Pulte Group expected to report an increase in third quarter revenue and profit on Tuesday, despite the slowdown in the housing industry. So indeed, there's a lot to watch, and uh, we'll be doing that next week. Probably, once again, keeping an eye on volatility on Wall Street. Well, we're going to talk markets. Uh, Max will be sitting down with Paul Georgie of Allendale, based in McHenry, Illinois, when we continue on the markets sponsored by the CME Group. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. Paul Georgie is our guest this weekend to talk about the markets from Allendale Incorporated. There just isn't much happening. Well, we did see a little bump or two here during the week. Uh, Beans showed a little bit of life. What was that about? Well, I think it's, uh, as one of my customers best describes it, it rallied because it can. Because if you look at all the fundamentals, you can argue one day one way, the next day the opposite way. So uh, I think that day when we, we get a nice rally out of these things, it's because we got a lot of equity moving into the market, fund buying. Uh, and it could have easily been caused because the stock market moved lower. We moved some money out of the uh, or into the, the commodities and caused some buying to take effect there. There was also that confirmation of a very slow soybean harvest. We were reminded of that, of uh, what was happening west of the Mississippi River, even though I think farmers are picking up the pace, certainly have this week. I think uh, this week's pace is going to be good. Uh, but you got to look at the whole picture, though. We're still probably going to be less than 50% harvested on soybeans at a time where we should be much greater than that. We should be 60%, 70% done. So that, I think, is going to continue to uh, provide some underlying support for soybeans, although uh, when we uh, get clear skies, there's going to be harvesting done, and that's going to pressure the market because we really don't have anything that uh, will support us right now uh, the uh, tariff situation, the trade uh, situation between all the different countries that we're negotiating with right now, that uh, is still uh, not clear. So uh, 
those talks, uh, one day you get comments from one country or another, it can provide some support. But uh, otherwise, we're just kind of in a tug of war at this point in time. Back on that crop for a moment here toward the end of the week, as we saw combines moving through the fields that could not be entered a few days ago, you saw dust flying. But boy, those shots of snow in soybean fields early in the week, about a week ago, those were ugly. Did we lose some crop because of that? I think there's no question that we have lost some crop because of the rains, the snow. My guys in the the uh, Dakotas where they had a lot of snow, they're not too worried about it. But uh, I think the heavy rain that we've seen across Iowa, uh, southern Minnesota, uh, there's definitely some loss there. I mean, uh, on uh, social media, you see all these pictures of beans popping out of the pods. Uh, that's certainly uh, some of that happening. Beans uh, sprouting also. Beans sprouting. Quality is going to be a, an issue, I think. So all of those, we have lost some. The question is how much. The condition rating overall on the soybean crop, I noticed, I believe, in the, this past week's uh, crop bulletin, didn't change much. I was a little bit surprised. I thought they would have downgraded the condition some, given the fact that those fields in the wintry weather and the heavy rains were battered so badly. Well, normally you're, you should see that. I mean, we should see crop conditions go down. The crop condition report throughout the year is kind of a beauty contest anyway. And we're at the, uh, uh, let's say we're reaching the end of the runway here where the, the crop doesn't look quite as good. And, uh, you know, so you should see some downgrade. I, I don't think crop conditions mean too much anymore. The producers want to get in the field. They want to get these things harvested. And I think they're they're definitely picking up pace. And the weather seems to be open for the 10 days in here, uh, there should be a lot of beans harvested. What are you hearing from out at the elevators? Have many of them uh, started to run out of space, especially in the eastern Corn Belt areas where the harvest has been most rapid, Illinois, Indiana? Well, I think the, you know, I haven't heard anything specifically at the elevator. The only thing that you can look at there is you look at basis, and basis is extremely wide. And uh, the guys in in Iowa and Dakotas, I mean, North Dakota, we've got soybean basis there of nearly two dollars, a dollar sixty, seventy, eighty. Uh, you got corn basis uh, at a dollar plus. Those are the things that are telling me that the elevators don't want them. So. Uh, we're looking and telling our clients that, you know, if you can find a way to hold this grain, it probably is the wisest thing just for the basis appreciation. I mean, historically, the best basis comes to us in around the first week in December. And the reason that is harvest is done. Farmers have got a crop uh, put into place, stored where they want to store it, and nobody wants to sell it until after the first of the year. So, uh, if you can find a place to store well, this, will grain, that work this year? I think it will. I mean, it, it does every year because there won't be any cor- there won't be any sales. The question is, how much will it improve? But it's got to improve more than where we're at today. So uh, I think that would be uh, a, certainly an option. Now we're hearing some uh, concerns about uh, the quality of the crop. Uh, there's some uh, problems in corn because of the. Uh, wetness. Some varieties are are showing some uh, uh, some issues with uh, quality. Soybeans, we're hearing quality problems there. If that continues, I mean, you almost have to get rid of it now, and that's going to definitely hurt the the farmer's bottom line. To switch a little bit, looking at South America, they're in the progress of planting crops, big crops down there, expected to be record crops. 
A little bit of dryness has been reported in recent days, we understand, in parts of Brazil, but it's nothing too worrisome, I guess, at this point, is it? No, the weather reports that we're getting, uh, the the conditions are improving. Uh, a lot of the area is getting uh, some good moisture in Argentina uh, and Brazil. The crop is going in the ground. They're going to plant more acres, uh, possibly 3% more acres than they did last year. And the the amazing thing is when you look at their planting progress, they're getting it in faster than they did last year, which means that that will narrow that uh, door of opportunity for the U.S. soybeans to be exported uh, to China and other places because – uh, South American harvest will probably be a little bit earlier. And that would lead to perhaps more corn being planted down there and that safrinha crop, uh, yeah. would it not? It could. We could see more corn planted in Brazil. The other thing is we're going to see a lot more corn planted in Argentina uh, and potentially a much bigger crop there because last year they had a drought. So uh, you say, well, what are, what are we going to look for for opportunity for U.S. prices uh you know, sad to say, but we got to look for some uh, problems somewhere else in the world uh, to get that world buyer to come to the U.S. and get rid of some of these large inventories that we have. The trade issue is still the issue, isn't it? Trade is a, an issue. Uh, not It may not be as much of an issue as we think because we have got such a large crop. So that's kind of uh, it's been the, the double whammy on us, but uh, trade is important. We need to export grain to get rid of some of these oversupplies that we've got. Uh, we need to export soybeans or meal or some products to uh, to get rid of the inventory. Uh, the corn, on the other hand, I mean, we're stocks to usage ratios in corn in the U.S. is the tightest we've seen in five years, mm-hmm. even with the large crop. So there is demand. If we would see a hiccup in in corn quality, let's say, uh, uh, and you look at and the USDA changed these numbers around a little bit, we could see some uh, some good support come in the corn uh, prices uh, simply for that reason. There's not that much wiggle room then you're saying as far as uh, the corn balance sheet is concerned. Corn balance sheet has it's very much uh, constructive compared to soybeans, right. and uh, you know so there is some hope there, but there. The problem is we have tremendous supply. We've got competition from wheat. Uh, that's a, another factor that will keep the corn in balance. And now there's a lot of uh, people in the trade and and looking at the uh, potential supply of Russian wheat and, and EU wheat that uh, they think are is a lot smaller than what's being reported now. Uh, and that could come to uh, support wheat prices and in turn, uh, help us in corn down the road, but it may not be here for uh, for a couple months. You mentioned a little bit earlier what had happened to the equity markets with that sell-off on Wall Street. Uh, we we do see those from time to time, but boy, they're just not very uh, very lengthy. Uh, those those sessions where they beat back the equities. But uh, if that were to happen, if we were, and there are some people saying, "Oh, you know, the stocks have gotten so high here, the run is just about over." Will we see a little more money then coming into the agriculture commodities if folks are bailing out of Wall Street stocks? Well, I think it's a it's a fine line or a, a very uh, a balanced beam that we walk across here because if the stock market breaks too much, then you'll see money come out of everything and take it to the sideline and try to uh, they the investors pull their money back, find out what they got, and then they'll reinvest. But in if we just get little uh, setbacks 
uh, like we've had in the uh, equity markets, then people move money around and they're going to move it into uh, commodities because they're cheap. So they all, they try to find, we'll take some out of the, the equity markets, put it into a market that uh, gives us more opportunity just simply because it's cheap. And I think that's where in the last few weeks, uh, you know, we've rallied the corn market nearly 50 cents and nearly uh, 75 to a dollar in soybeans. And a lot of that is uh, simply because of money moving around uh, more than, uh, you know, a fundamental factor. When there is that kind of a price move in the ag commodities, what are you telling your producers they should be doing? Well, I think uh, what we've got right now where we've seen this nice uh, rally, you have to uh, take advantage of it. I, I think when a producer has got to look seriously at his bottom line, at his profitability, and when you you look at the size of the crop that we've got right now and you get a, a pop in the market here, there's many cases where you are at break even or above, and you just need to take some action. And there's all kinds of ways to do it. Uh, you know, rather than just going out and selling the grain, maybe you need to use some option strategies to protect yourself on the downside or the upside, depending on your own situation. Uh, it also, uh, if we're staying in a trading range, there's option strategies that you can do there with limited margin risk and uh, and limited risk in in these things, and then sell the grain, put the money in in the uh, in the bank, because what we're hearing also, Max, is that there's a lot of, uh, you know, there could be some tough situation come. December, January, when notes have ha- have to be renewed. Some talking, serious banker discussions. There is some very serious banker dis- discussions. I was talking to one, had dinner with one here last week, and uh, he was concerned. And well, he he wouldn't tell me exactly what the situation was, but he says there's a lot of loans that uh, are probably not going to be renewed this year. So uh, that's just an indication that uh, there is. It's a tough situation out there. There's no question about it. We're hearing that rumble more and more, it seems. Paul, thank you for coming in with us. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Paul Georgie with Allendale Incorporated. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. Today, the Department of Agriculture issued its monthly cattle on feed report. And looking at some of the comments from our friend Jerry Goodell at the Price Group, I'll share with you what he had to say, but let me give you the numbers first. The number of cattle on feed, the 1st of October, 5% above a year ago, but below the average guesstimate by 1.5%. Number of cattle placed in September at 5% below a year ago, and the number of cattle marketed in September down 4% from a year ago. And some of the comments, placement numbers very bullish, below all estimates and far below the average estimate. Number of cattle on feed on the low side also below all estimates 
and marketings were lower. And very possible, I'm quoting now from the newsletter, to see cattle and feeders in 2019 contracts limit up with on-feed at 5% above a year ago. We'll have enough cattle to get through the end of the year. December cattle will likely be on the sell side of spreads, but that's not bearish, just weaker. Cattle on and calves on feed for the slaughter market in the U.S. Uh, totaled 11,400,000 head October 1st. That was 5% above October a year ago. And this is the highest October 1st inventory since the series began in 1996. Placements in feedlots during September totaled 2,500,000 or 50,000 head. That's 5% below a year ago. And marketings of fed cattle during September totaled 1,722,000 head, 4% below 2017. So those are the numbers we'll be trading on Monday when the market opens. Today, cattle futures uh, were lower with both live cattle and lean hogs easing on worries that U.S. supplies were growing faster than demand, according to traders and analysts. And cattle futures also dropped ahead of that uh, cattle on feed report this afternoon. And so the uh, grain market uh, today and the activity in uh, uh, the Chicago Board of Trade, uh, pretty much a red screen. The December wheat contract, though, was green. It was up three quarters of a, of a penny a bushel. It'll start trading Monday at 513 and three quarters. December corn will start the week at $3.66 and a quarter cents a bushel, down four and a half cents. November soybeans will start the week at 856 and a quarter. After dropping seven and a quarter cents in today's trade, the volatility hasn't been quite as dramatic in the grain and livestock markets as it has been on Wall Street, but uh, I think we have enough to keep us happy. We want to share with you the uh, story out of Atlanta, the Atlanta airport that uh, came in today. A passenger traveling from Ecuador was relieved of leftovers when a Beagle search dog found a roasted pig's head in baggage at the world's busiest airport. And according to Customs and Border Protection officers, the dog named Hardy alerted to the baggage at Atlanta's International Airport. Specialists with the uh, department uh, then discovered a two-pound cooked pig's head, which was seized and destroyed. And the reason I share this story is because if you have been traveling to foreign countries and are coming back to the United States, or if you're a first-time visitor to the United States from a foreign country, the flight attendants are going to give you a card to fill out before you land. It's from the USDA, and they ask several questions. And probably one of the most important questions is, have you visited a farm during your foreign travel? All I can do is say, please be honest in answering the questions on that card, because the reason they're there is to make sure 
that we keep infectious diseases of livestock outside the United States. And that takes a lot of hard work to do because this past week alone, some of the headlines that uh, came across my desk talked about uh, mad cow disease being discovered in the United Kingdom, in Wales, and in Scotland, and uh, mad cow disease being discovered in Inner Mongolia, China. We have banned the import of pork from Poland because of a concern over swine flu, and all of those headlines came this week. So once again, be perfectly honest and take the time to fill out that questionnaire from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. While we've been talking about the new agreement between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, I must point out that we still do not officially have an agreement. And this week, the top Republican in the Senate said senators will not vote to approve the revised North American trade agreement in 2018. That will leave the issue to the next Congress. So that really won't be approved by the Congress until uh, early next year, we hope. But it will be a new Congress by then as well. Well, we've run out of time again. Thank you for listening. And uh, along with Max Armstrong, I'm Orion Samuelson saying thank you for joining us on the markets sponsored by the CME Group. Mm-hmm.